This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like my Xbox Live squad likes to call me, The Fintern. Can someone explain to me the best way to tell your Fortnite buddies that you're going offline for a couple of hours because you have to go to work your professional job in a basement? I tried to mention the podcast, but the best I got back was, like a radio show, right? Which really isn't a half-bad response considering that all they do every day is go to school, eat, and play online. The simple life, right? But for anyone who's been paying attention to the financial markets the last quarter, we know it's been anything but simple. Lots of ups and downs, and I bet there may have been more than a few of you who've already cashed out. To help you and everyone else through these shaky markets, I'm rolling back the clock to our time with best-selling author and host of the Rick Edelman radio show, you guessed it, Rick Edelman. On Stacking Benjamin's episode 407, aptly named Rick Edelman Helps Us Rescue Your Money, Rick does just that and give some great advice on what you should be doing in choppy markets. It's a full episode, so there's much more. And one more thing. Remember that this episode is from November of 2016, so disregard any prizes or giveaways. Enjoy, Fintern out. Good evening, I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Live from the election headquarters 2020, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and with all the chaos around the election, I thought what a great time for a third party to emerge for the election cycle. And I know the perfect candidate. More on that later, but today we are super excited to vote on to this financial show. A guy Barron's has called the number one financial advisor in America, and he's the founder and executive chairman of Edelman Financial Service, Rick Edelman. Also, headlines about your retirement plan at work, a tug on the Haven Lifeline, your letters, my trivia, and more. And because everyone needs some early, low paid campaign help, here they are, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-J. Who said anything about being low paid? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this gig to be low paid, man. We have not begun to negotiate yet. Oh, okay. This is this is us helping out the initial campaign in hopes that we get a cherry 
job later in the administration. Absolutely. Well, you and I are going to have our collective bargaining talk later, as soon as we get done recording this. I want to be the secretary of offense. (laughs) Well, you are offensive, so that's good. That's what I mean. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know which voice is which and across this beautiful card table. What what is this thing made out of, by the way? That's uh, pizza boxes and cardboard. (laughs) I think so. That's the voice of the other guy, or we just call him OG. I am the other guy, yes, sir. Rice Delman, for those of you who listen to his nationally syndicated radio show, coming down to the basement. He's, I've heard of him. He's, yeah, who is that guy? He's got a reprint of one of his books out, OG, Rescue Your Money. We're going to talk to him about rescuing your money during these tumultuous times. Has anything tumultuous happened recently? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know a thing. But you know what I do know? I do know that regardless of what goes on out there, down here, the place we really like is going to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you head to magnify money, you know what happens? You can ring yourself up over $450 in savings. That's what the average person does when they restructure their debt strategy by comparing more places than any other place on earth. So they make it easy to compare, ditch, switch, and save. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And guess what? When you're at Magnify Money, you're going to find that those student loans that you just want to get rid of, probably get rid of them faster by heading to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. You know what happens? You go to SoFi, you find out that you could get a much lower interest rate on those student loans, refinance those student loans, more money goes toward paying off the loan, less money goes to the man. Everybody wins except the man. Who cares about the man? The man's going to win anyway, right, OG? Seems like the man always wins. Not at my house. Not. Okay. At, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the man. Yeah, that's right. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. Rick Edelman coming down to the basement. We've got your letters, a, a call on the Haven Lifeline. But first, got some great headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline today, some bad news for people saving into their retirement plan at work. comes to us from Investopedia. Allison Martin is the author. No 401k boost in 2017 again. Planning to sock away even more of your hard-earned cash into your 401k plan next year? As long as it doesn't exceed the maximum contribution limit, you're good to go. But before you ramp up your contribution, something you must consider, the limit will remain at its same level same level it's been since 2015. No movement on the top of the 401k, OG. Yep. No increase in Social Security uh, cost of living adjustment either, but they did mysteriously increase Social Security taxes by 8%. But uh, anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's all magic. Well, as long as that goes into the lockbox, that money, that extra money being collected. Yeah, well, it's totally safe. Never be touched by any other program. It's off limits. Just like in the past. Exactly like in the past. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. For those people that don't that can't hear sarcasm on the radio, that, that was our sarcasm brought to you by Joe and OG. <laughs> <laughs> but those, for people that don't know why it didn't go up, this isn't Congress. This actually isn't, this has nothing to do with election cycles. The way they do that is based on the consumer price index, and it has to go up by a certain amount before they actually make any raises and inflation, according to government statistics, didn't go up. Yeah. According to real life statistics, it did. But um, 
but that's a whole different show. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. And we are yeah. surly already today. Oh, I'm angry, angry. <laughs> Packed your angry eyes like the, like in Toy Story. That's what I say to my kids <laughs> when they get all ornery or whatever. And I'll, you know, like Mrs. Potato Head said that. And I packed your angry eyes just in case. <laughs> and some monkeys and your golf clubs. Well, can you uh, can you go in the in the other room and uh, drag out the dead horse? Because we're about to beat this thing. This comes to us from the Economist. Find a nickel for every time I heard that. Just <laughs> <is> horrible. <laughs> PETA is about to protest the Stacky Benjamin show for gratuitous use of horse violence metaphors. <laughs> That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, that went right over my head. I am I am a little slow. This I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, keep boy. I'm gonna keep moving on. Oh, uh, this comes to us from the Economist. I don't know if you know this, OG, but there was an election last week. Oh, in America, yeah. In the the, the Economist had this headline. The day after the election, the economic consequences of Donald Trump, Uh, Donald Trump uh, elected the next president of the United States, says from late January, Donald Trump will have all the authority of the American executive and the support of a unified Republican Congress behind him. He will therefore be in a position to deliver profound and lasting change. The near term economic effect of a Trump presidency is perhaps not of foremost concern to vulnerable racial and religious minorities in America or to nervous NATO allies in Eastern Europe, but the economic consequences consequences of Mr. Trump's presidency could be enormous and costly, it says. So here's the thing. We are, for people listening to the show, we're not a political show. We don't talk politics. However, OG, what we do here is we look at the playing field, right, with your investments and with your financial plan, and we talk about what the strategy should be, right? And here's what's frustrating for me to get rid of Everything, I like the way The Economist set that up. We have all these other issues. Let's get rid of all those. Just talk about the financial planning issues. A lot of people talking about how the next administration is going to affect your financial plan, and it's garbage. Oh, it's all garbage. Absolutely it is. I mean, at the end of the day, elections come, give or take, every, uh, oh yeah, four years. It's common as dirt. Sometimes your, quote unquote, your candidate wins. Sometimes your candidate loses. But no matter who wins or loses, the comments, the rhetoric is the same. Oh, yeah. End of America as we know it. Yep. Pack your bags. And no matter what, you can't let four years of your life go by and not do anything toward your financial goals. Like you can't take your whole financial goals and send them to Washington, right? You can't, you can't, I, I used to get so frustrated when clients would come in at times like now, and they would just want to pontificate for 45 minutes about everything that is right or everything that's wrong about what's going on in Washington. And they've never balanced their own budget. They've never paid off their credit cards. They've never saved a dime for retirement. We're fighting the wrong dragon, folks. Yeah. At the end of the day, what will be will be. The stock market will go up or down over the next four years or eight years, just like it went up or down over the last eight years and the previous eight years and the eight years before that and the four years before that and the eight years before that and so on and so forth. Those things sometimes are somewhat related, but there's no you know, there's no crystal ball. You can't use an economist article or an article from the New York Times or, you know, somebody that's on Fox News or something like that that says, okay, well, this is what's going to happen now. In some respects, 
I mean, to be a little political, this is the great unknown. <laughs> you know, with somebody who's president who has never, at least to my knowledge, held any public office. Of yeah, any I kind. don't think that's political at all. I mean, we we I seriously mean, we've said before with candidates. I mean, I've been through how many different presidents? Um, like seventeen or eighteen, right? <laughs> easy, easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was Grover Cleveland like? Good friend. Great, great friend. Crazy, crazy mustache. He had like one of those curly mustaches. I rode on the back of, of a train and waved at everybody. Don't you want one of those mustaches? Just like if I could have it for like a month. I tried to grow a beard last year. Remember that? And it came yeah. in, it actually looked decent. It just came in so gray. It aged me by like 15 years. And yeah. as you're cracking up, I'm I'm aging myself right now. Look at that. That's very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. A little silver down there. Yeah. So, no, no, no. Uh, Mine came in all white. Was, yeah, like Santa was, Claus. Oh yeah, it was it was bad news. So you can't wait. Your your point is is I think the most important piece here. You can't sit around. You can't sit on your hands and say, "Well, I'll just wait until insert thing happens and then I'll start saving." Or right. I'm going to stop saving until something happens and then I'll start. Just you do you, right? The, you keep saving. Yeah. Be diversified. Dollar cost average. The point I was making about Mr. Trump was was just to agree with you that this is the. It's so weird that we kind of sort of now have to really call him Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. as opposed to like the Donald, right? <laughs> the hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, I swear, my cat Cooper is is sitting on top of his head. But you know what? I think we go back to to Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Let's go back to one of the best books. I think that everybody should read. There are things, OG, that you can control. There are things that you can influence and there are things that you can either influence nor control. Once every four years, we can influence the election, right? Right. During that, there may be some things that we can maybe write letters to Congress. We can protest. We can do some things there, but you can't do all those things and forget about the things that you control. And what you control is your financial plan. And I think that's where you got to focus. Yeah. Your goals are not going anywhere, regardless of who's, you know, occupying different seats of government. Yeah, that's lesson number one, I think. Lesson number two, saving into your 401k. If you're not maxing it out, they didn't make the hurdle any higher, OG. <laughs> you can still try to get there. Yeah, we're not up to the next height on that high Well, jump. and once you get 50, once you turn 50, you've got some catch-up contributions. So there's an option to increase your uh, contributions for those of you who are lucky enough to be turning 50. In 2017. Yeah. Extra money to save there. Cha-ching. This is the guy, OG. I'm so glad he's back. Rick Edelman, not coming down to the basement. He's super busy, so we're going to get him on Dad Shortwave in just a second. Going to give Rick a call. But uh, how long have you known about Rick Edelman? I would say between him and, um, is Bob Brinker still on the radio? Oh, I love Bob Brinker. I don't know. I haven't, they don't I play mean, he him was here. Pretty, he was getting up there, you know, 15 years ago. So I would say between the two of them, those were the guys that were on the radio on Saturday afternoons and Saturday nights and Sunday mornings when, you know, I would be still sitting at the office working <laughs> those, those early days. <laughs> Back in the day. Rick Edelman wrote, I would say, my favorite book on financial planning, which is called The Truth About Money. He wrote a book back during the real estate crisis, which was called Rescue Your Money, How to Invest Your Money During These Tumultuous Times. And guess what? He's reprinting the book, making some changes because... 
people still see this as a very tumultuous time. So uh, Rick Edelman called by Barron's on multiple occasions, the number one financial advisor in the country. Of course, he is the head of Edelman Financial Services. Let's uh, say hello to Mr. Rick Edelman. My dad, Shortwave, Rick Edelman, joins us. Welcome back, Rick. Oh, it's terrific to be with you. Thanks again for having me. Well, I should have said Rice Delman, but, but I've messed that up. And that joke, by the way, never gets old. Well, you know, it's I can always tell people who listen to my radio show or don't because <laughs> that's the only way they would know what that means. That's, that's right. So what's the first down market you were an advisor during in your long storied career? The crush of 87. Yeah. Tell me the feelings that happened during that quick uh, down and up. Well, it was rather incredible because prior to October 19, 1987, the stock market moved very little. I mean, we have to remember the Dow was at about 2,400 at the time, and it would typically move 30 or 40 points a day, and not very many shares were traded on a daily basis. So whatever the market was doing by the time we went to lunch – was what the market was going to be doing for the rest of the day. So if the market was up at noon, it was going to be up for the day. And if it was down, it was going to be down for the day. Today, it's radically different. Today, we don't know until quarter to four, 15 minutes before the market close, whether the market will be up or down. We trade a billion shares a day, billions of shares a day now with massive volatility compared to the past. And we're at 18,000 on the Dow, not just uh, 1900 as we ended up a day after the crash. There's really nothing similar between that era and today. Did you feel, since it was your first market downturn, that uh, it was time to go jump out a window? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't because of the way we've always managed money. So it wasn't uh, a terribly bad environment specifically for us or our clients back then. In fact, phone calls we got from clients they weren't panicking. They were calling to see if I was okay because they were listening to the news. But it was really quite horrific for an awful lot of uh, folks that I saw in the firm. I was working at a brokerage firm at the time. I hadn't yet gone fully independent in our practice. And other guys that we were looking at, they were ready to jump in a window because what they were doing was very risky. They had no idea that this could ever happen. To put it in context, the stock market fell about 24% in a single day. That would be today having the Dow fall about 4,000 points Ugh. in a day, which is something no one has ever experienced prior to 1987 and certainly never since. So it, it was a really bad day and a bad several weeks. But what we have to remember is that it recovered itself almost fully within a couple of months. Right. By the end of the year, the market had regained all its losses. That was very different from 2008. We could argue that 2008 was actually worse than the crash of 87 because in 2008, we saw the market fall 65% over a year and a half. It was a slow drip. Uh, it wasn't a, a waterfall event. And it, people were just consigned to the reality that, oh, it's going to be down again today with no end in sight. And it was, in that sense, much worse. Also, there were many more investors in 2008 than back in 87. In 87, remember, there were only about 500 mutual funds that existed. Most people weren't investors. They never heard of investments. They never made any investments. 
Back then, your employer controlled your 401k plan. You didn't even get involved in that. Today, it's very different. Half of all U.S. households own mutual funds today. And today, there's a broad uh, ownership of, of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So the OH, I think, was even worse than 87. Well, your book originally was, I think, written for that time frame. I believe it came out in uh, 2009, Rescue Your Money, How to Invest Your Money during these tumultuous times. And it's funny, Rick, as I look at the new edition of the book and I see how to invest your money during these tumultuous times, even though the market has steadily risen during that time, it still feels like tumultuous times today, doesn't it? It really does. This is the bull market that's getting no respect. It's Rodney Dangerfield stock market. <laughs> the stock market has tripled in value from its low in 2009. Housing prices have recovered. Bond market has recovered. Uh, unemployment has recovered. Interest rates remain low. Salaries are at all-time highs. Corporate profits are at all-time highs. And yet nobody wants to believe it. Everybody is continuing to believe that the economy is fragile, that the risks outweigh the reward potential. Uh, we are very upset about the election. We're worried about global competition in the economy. We're worried about terrorism and natural disaster and climate change, social unrest uh, around the country. And nobody's feeling really good about this. So you're right. There's a lot of negativity, and that's why these tumultuous times are as pervasive as they were back in uh, 2008. Well, it is funny because what I love about your book, Rick, is that the answer, while the problems are complex, the answer is still as simple as it was back during your first market downturn. It's absolutely right, uh, Joe. We're managing money today exactly as we were in 08, and thematically exactly the same as we were back in 1987. Uh, so we have been doing what we've been doing now for 30 years, and specifically after 08, our clients own the very same investments now that they did in 2008. We haven't found the need to make any substantial changes. There have been a few tweaks and, and modifications along the way, but essentially, the way we're running money, and we're now managing over $17 billion uh, for 31,000 families across the country, we're doing it the way we've been doing it for three decades. And so we're very comfortable and very confident that our approach is time-tested. Don't you worry, though, Rick, after eight years of run-up, uh, what's going to happen when the bottom finally drops out of this thing? I mean, that's all we read about and hear about in the news, right, is that the bottom's going to drop out. What do you guys do defensively to protect against that? Well, first of all, I don't agree with the premise. Right. Uh, to, to suggest that the bottom's going to drop out is is ridiculous. Uh, and you're right, Joe. That's what a lot of the media are saying, to scare people to death. That's how you get people to tune in and buy subscriptions. So it's ridiculous to, to accept that premise. You're right, however, that eventually the bull market will come to an end because markets are cyclical. Every bull market is followed by a bear market, and every bear market is followed by a bull market. The market goes up, the market goes down. It's exactly the way it works. So eventually this bull market will end. It's now the second longest bull market in history. So one day it's going to come to an end. So the way we protect our clients against that is real simple. It's very common sense. Don't have all your money in the stock market. That's it. You know, if you're if you want to protect yourself against a market crash, don't have all your money in stocks. Then you don't have to worry about the market crashing. And so we diversify our clients very extensively on a global basis. They not only own U.S. stocks, but they own foreign stocks. They also own bonds and real estate and gold and precious metals and oil and gas and other energy like natural gas and natural resources like commodities and timber. 
government securities, both U.S. and foreign. So the portfolios are so extensively diversified on a global basis that no one thing is likely to cause them any destruction, as opposed to having all your eggs in one basket, which is what happens when you listen to a lot of these pundits on TV. Yeah, I love your chapter in the book about about the media and just about how the media works. You also talk, though, Rick, about fads. Out of all the fads that you've seen during your career, which one was, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe your favorite to roll your eyes with? Was it the big, uh, was it the tech thing at the end of the 1990s or one of the others? It had to be, uh, in our modern times, had to be the tech bubble of the 1990s, resulting in the tech crash in 2000 when the NASDAQ fell 90% in value. That was absurd on its face. We were watching it with disbelief from 97, 98, 99, when you had mutual funds growing 400% in a year. We were watching stocks triple in value in a matter of months. And none of it made any sense because these companies had no profits. They were being supported by investors who were looking through rose-colored glasses, and we knew that it couldn't be sustained, it would not last, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. So we used to get grief back in the 90s from some of our clients who complained that their portfolios were only up 30%. Today, everybody would love to have that, but you know, they were up only 30% when others were up 200%. And of course, when the market crashed in the NASDAQ in 2000, our clients were thrilled that they avoided those huge losses because he avoided it the entire time. Uh, so there's no question that the tech market bubble was the, the biggest, but the one that's the most pervasive, the one that persists, that still exists today is gold. The marketers are out there promoting gold. They, they like to suggest that the economy is going to collapse, the dollar is going to be worthless, the market's going to crash, and the only way to save yourself and protect yourself is to let them sell you gold coins. This is, to me, one of the biggest scams in the country. There is no basis for legitimacy on any of the claims that they're making. What a lot of people don't know is that a lot of these outfits don't really sell you gold bullion. They're selling you overpriced gold coins with 50% or 100% percent markups, which means the gold has to double in value for you to break even. Um, So uh, we are continually worried about a lot of people who fall victim to the scam artists promoting gold. That's great advice. And it always amazes me when people write into the show saying they don't like stocks, they get into gold. And and I think it was Walter Updegrave, who I read recently talking about how gold is eight times more volatile than the stock market. So if you don't like the volatility of stocks, why the heck are you getting into gold? Yeah, gold is a silly investment. I mean, it serves no useful purpose. It has a very small industrial use, but very tiny. It's predominantly jewelry. And we know that jewelers mark up 100 200%. So the only reason you buy gold is that you think some schmo is going to pay you more than what you paid. Gold doesn't pay dividends. It doesn't grow. In other words, you don't wake up one day to find that your ounce of gold is now two ounces. It doesn't pay dividends. There's no little baby gold that you discover it suddenly has. The gold never goes away, which means the world supply always increases, which means demand has to increase along with the supply. It doesn't make any sense. And I love it when when you get a cold call from a gold promoter telling you that gold is going to double in value. If that were true, why would he be selling it to you? Why isn't he hoarding it for his own benefit? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And by the way, I find it kind of annoying just how you simplify all this stuff, Rick. If I wish I could simplify this as easy as you do, because whenever I talk to you, I feel like, why do people make this so complicated? Which brings me to another point that you spend a good amount of time in the book on inflation. And it seems like this is a real, this is a silent killer that people don't pay attention to enough. 
You're absolutely right, Joe, because we don't notice it all the time. And, you know, you look at your bank account statement and it shows that you, you know, you had a dollar and now it earned interest. And so you have a dollar one. And what the bank statement is not telling you is that inflation has eroded the dollar so that the spending power is only 98 cents. So you're actually losing money in that bank account, but you'd never know it because they're not showing you the real cost of money on an after-inflation basis. And yet over long periods, we all get it. We know that cars today cost a lot more than they did 30 years ago. We know that college costs a lot more, healthcare costs a lot more, food costs more, energy costs more, property taxes are higher, housing prices are higher. That's all due to inflation. And people recognize it, but they don't really think about it in terms of their investment strategy. Yeah. And it's sad because you know why people are in these low paying accounts where they're getting beaten up by inflation is because they're, they're very worried. What does somebody do if they need yield in their portfolio today? Yeah. You've really cited Joe, the number one issue for so many investors today. And it's scary because I often have people telling me, you know, about the good old days back in the eighties when CDs were paying 15%. Well, they're, they're right, but inflation was 18%. So they were still losing money. They didn't know it. Today, bank CDs are paying 1% or 2%. And people are struggling to support themselves. You know, if you got $100,000 and you get a 2% bank CD, that's two grand a year. You can't live on that. Yeah. And that's a real struggle. And that causes two problems. First, it causes people to chase yield. And we see Wall Street accommodating them with the creation of ridiculous products like non-traded REITs and uh, fixed annuity products, equity indexed annuity products, and things like oil and gas limited partnerships, all designed to offer a promise of generating 6% yields, 7% yields. What people don't realize are the extremely high levels of risk that these investments foist on them. Seven-year illiquidity periods where their money is locked up for a decade, huge fees, adverse tax implications, estate inheritance problems, all kinds of issues that many people don't realize in their desperate effort to achieve higher income. None of those ideas work. The better approach that we have found is to use that diversified portfolio concept, maintain 12 eggs and 12 baskets, and then simply pay yourself a check on a regular monthly basis which we can provide to our clients very easily. It's sort of like a social security check. You get a check every month, regardless of the volatility of the portfolio, regardless of what's happening in the market, you still get your check on a monthly basis. And we can provide our clients checks of 4%, 5%, 6% a year without them having to worry very much about running out of money during the rest of their lives while preserving flexibility and liquidity. So it can be done even in today's low-rate environment. You just have to make sure you know how to do it or hire someone to do it for you if you don't know how. The book is called Rescue Your Money, How to Invest Your Money During These Tumultuous Times. I've said this before, your first book, Rick, uh, The Truth About Money, easily my favorite book, and this is very much in the same vein, easy to read, common sense, Lots of humor. I got one more question for you, Rick, and I always save the hard-hitting question for last. When David Bach joined your firm, what kind of hazing did you guys do? Did you take him out back and do something crazy with him? No, no, it wasn't necessary at all. David's a great guy. Unfortunately, our relationship didn't work out, and so David's no longer with the firm. But we we had high hopes, and uh, at this point, we continue to wish him the best. I thought maybe it was the hazing that drove him away, but I'm disappointed that that wasn't the case. But well, congratulations on another great book, another great addition to the great book. And thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Joe. Anytime. 
everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what an exciting time in America, huh? Now that the old election cycle is over, I'm thinking it's time to get a jump on the next one and announce that I'm running for president. Joe's mom thinks I need a platform, so uh, I built that I built that thing over there in the corner that's going to help me stand up really high. I know that's important. Tall people usually win elections. Joe's mom also tried to tell me how expensive it is to run a campaign, but I mean, really, like, how much could it be? You throw a few social media posts out there, you kiss some babies, you kiss some babies. How much can it cost? I mean, this is not that hard. Folks are overcomplicating this. But that brings us to today's trivia question. How much was spent on the Clinton-Trump election? I'll have the answer right after this. I'm so excited to have two sponsors that we really love that are super helpful to so many people. Our first is Magnify Money. Check them out at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And if you're somebody like a lot of us that didn't get an education about money in school, well, guess what? Magnify Money will not only help you compare your checking, your savings and your credit cards. They also have a graduate guide. What's a graduate guide? Well, Nick Clements, CEO of Magnify Money, told us what it's all about. Right. Well, we went out and we pulled recent college graduates who were about five years out and said, what are your biggest regrets? And some of their biggest regrets were not handling their student loans right away when they got out of school, organizing them and finding out the, the best way to pay and manage that going forward. And another was just not learning enough about about their personal finances. And so what we've done is based upon the regrets of people who graduated five years ago, we put together a checklist so that as long as you follow that list, you at least will not have the regrets, uh, the same regrets that these people have. There it is. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for you or the graduate in your life to get an education about getting their financial house in order. And if you've listened to the show before, you know I'm also excited about our second sponsor, SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi to check them out. And I've said in the past that you're not going to beat the interest rate on a student loan or on personal loans or mortgages outside of SoFi. However, I've also said you need a high credit score. What What is a high credit score and how does SoFi look at your credit? We asked Dan Macklin over at SoFi how it works. So there's no absolute minimum uh, that we have, but generally if you're in the 700s and above, then then you have a great chance of being approved. But credit is uh, credit score is not the only thing we're looking for. There's a variety of measures, but it's one of them. So even though it's not the only thing they look at. It's an important qualifier. So clean up your credit and then head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi when you're ready to get your mortgage, refinance your debt through a personal loan, or look at those student loans to get the interest rate down to something more manageable. everyone, it's Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Apparently, a platform is not just a couple of two-by-fours and a microphone. I don't see why not. It seems to work just fine for Joe. That's all that guy's got. But I got to get us back to trivia. So here we go. The question I asked was how much was spent on the Clinton-Trump campaign? The answer, a whopping, whopping $2.65 billion. Looks like for my campaign, I'm going to have to start some crowdfunding. Can you say go fund me? I'll go set it up right now. See ya. They ain't talking Monopoly money there. 
That's some real cold, hard cash. Oh, gee. Speaking of that, dude, I want to play Monopoly with you. I actually haven't played Monopoly in probably 25 years. It's been even longer than that. Well, we're getting here um, to holiday time, you know? Teach your kids how to start crying halfway through a game as dad just... <laughs> well, I told you about when my son played Ticket to Ride with my other son, yes. and he just beat him beat him like he stole something. I mean, it was bad. Um, it was bad. And then and I played him in Madden a couple of weeks ago and toasted him pretty good. <clears throat> and so then they have this thing called lunch relief at his school. You know, instead of the teachers supervising the kids every day, once one day a week, a parent volunteers to come in. So this was my volunteer day. So I went in and, uh, you know, my boys are there eating lunch and they're surprised to see dad. And it's kind of fun. I walked up to my oldest son's table and, you know, he's sitting there with all his buddies. He's in fourth grade, you know, too cool for school. I said, hey, son, I said, did you tell all your buddies about how your dad beat you senseless and Madden? And they all went, ooh. So he came home. He goes, dad, I want to I want a rematch. I said, you pick, any, <laughs> you pick any team you want. You be any team and I'll be any team. So he gave me the Browns. And he was the Patriots. Good call. Good call on his end. Yep. And and he was the Patriots. And I beat him again. <laughs> and he got all ticked off. He's like throwing the controller and everything. And I said, no, no, no. Remember when you were talking with your brother and you were kind of rubbing it in his face? And I took I took I, I took no mercy, right? I didn't I didn't let him win. I didn't try to I didn't take I didn't take my foot off the gas. If I got an interception, I ran it back for a touchdown and then kicked it onside. I mean, I was just throttling him. I said, remember when remember when you had your brother? <laughs> Paybacks, man. Yeah, that hurts. Mess with the bull, you get the horns, baby. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. The younger son uh, has to be gloating with uh, his protection. What do you do? Give you protection money? Is that what he did? <laughs> <laughs> that would I wouldn't put it past him. That yeah. sounds like something he'd figure out pretty quick. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on the things you value most, your family and your time. It's why they've created the only affordable term life insurance policy that you can purchase entirely online and qualified healthy applicants can even skip the medical exam. How great is that? Head to like stackofbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to learn more about life insurance the modern way. You know, it's funny, even though they were established in uh, 2015, OG, just specifically to make the process faster and easier and frankly, a little more fun. They're not a little fly-by-night company. They're backed by this company called uh, Mass Mutual, which you may have heard of before. Never heard never heard of yeah, them. Yeah, not sure who they are. On the Lifeline today, Chris needs the Lifeline, so let's say hello to Chris. Hey, guys. My name is Chris. I'm 25, about to graduate with my bachelor's in business administration. So I've recently decided that I'm going to leave Orange County, California, and relocate to Columbus, Ohio to start my career in the financial insurance industry. My plan is to be in Ohio for the next four to five years. Would it be more beneficial to rent during that time or possibly to invest in property? Really enjoy the show, guys. Thanks. Oh, great question, Chris. Love the, it. Thanks for calling the Lifeline. Uh, so going to be there four or five years. What do you think? Notwithstanding the fact that you're going to Columbus. <laughs> I, I think we can let that, well, we can let that cat kind of out of the bag. I mean, you are findable now. You actually, people head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG. They can find out more about OG's background and also uh, sign up for an appointment with OG. But you and I are big. T- I, I, you, yeah, originally from Michigan. You and I are big 10 guys. Yeah. 
not the Big Ten folks from Ohio. No. Yeah. No. Okay. And if you go into Ohio, you're always watching out for the police because... I go around Ohio. I really do. I just... <laughs> I love I, I love everybody in Ohio. I just <laughs> almost all of them. I have family there. I, you know, anyway, it's it's playful banter this time of year. It is. It's great as as it were. Uh, this is an easy one. Definitely renting. If you're going to be there three or four or five years, that's not long enough to be looking at buying a house and then turn around and selling it and that sort of thing. I would much rather be in a position where you rent something inexpensive. Yeah, maybe give yourself a little little something to play with, you know, down, you know, a nice downtown area or something like that. But I'm going to go low cost. I'm saving a ton of money. And then as your career changes, you know, family comes into picture and that sort of thing. Be in a position that you can uh, move into a house or buy a house. You know, and maybe you decide to stay in Columbus. Can't imagine why, but uh, maybe you decide to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Columbus is a great town. It is. Uh, it is a great town. There is that one area that's off limits, I think. But otherwise, it's a great town. But um, no, seriously. I mean, you may end up deciding that you like it and you want to stay there. We'll be in a position to buy a home, you know, in three or four years, five years down the line. Maybe you want to move to uh, back to the OC. And then in which case, you'd really need to be saving money to buy a house. But easy, easy, easy. Rent, rent, rent. Well, here's the thing too. What I'm thinking about is a couple of things is that especially when you're starting out, if you're trying to give yourself a nice footprint, you know, a good base, I think four or five years starting your retirement fund in the right place, right? Staying out of debt and having a cash reserve, getting your emergency build up a nice fund, cash reserve, yeah. and then build up a down payment fund, you know? And I think when you're trying to split your savings into three different areas, it'll probably take four or five years to build mm -hmm. a significant savings. And guess what? By then you'll know if you're staying in Columbus longer or not. Absolutely. At that point. Good stuff. Hey, if you want us to throw the lifeline out to you, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we could use some calls. We are not short on letters. Is mom can, vacuuming? Can you, can, can you hear? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to shut the window? <laughs> is, that, is that Doug mowing the grass or? Uh, no, because he uses that old school one, right? With just the blades on it that. Yeah, right. It would like get stuck and then you'd like drag it across the grass. Yeah. I love that one. Of course that, that all starts. So, uh, so you've got something for us. Oh, I was just going to say, you knew that a cheese manufacturer located on the beach is called ocean breeze, right? I have no idea what you're referring to. Just, just simmer on it a little bit. A cheese manufacturer located on the beach is called ocean breeze. That's all right. All, all right. right. Uh, let's I'm sure. I'm sure. How about, how about, uh, you got any t-shirts laying around? Oh I mean, yeah. All right. How about, how about if you can figure out how to help Joe out on that, help him understand what that means. Send somebody a t-shirt. What do you think about that? Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, send that to me, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. Send, uh, send letters to me, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. Our letter today comes to us from Matt. Matt writes, Hey Joe, my wife and I recently relocated and her benefits package is not quite as good as it was previously. So I'm trying to decide what to do with some of our extra monthly money. I love, by the way, trying to figure out for people what to do with their extra money. Grab yeah. an envelope. Oh. Yes. Send it to the basement. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. It doesn't take very much time and gets rid of that problem. Mm. We're all happy then. I don't uh, think he means that. No, probably not. All right. Uh, so what's Matt saying? Da, 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 da. We're contributing enough to get the full match in her 401k and we contribute more to a 457 plan. For those people who don't know what a 457 plan, 
It's like a 401k. It's a retirement plan through work, but it's the type of business that it is. But we're sitting on some money from the sale of our previous home and also bring in 1000 to 2000 more a month than previously. So I'd like to know how to effectively invest it. We make too much to do a Roth IRA, but would a backdoor Roth be a good idea? Some variable universal life insurance so that it's withdrawn <laughs> tax-free someday? Some high dividend yielding stocks? Something like Lending Club? Or should we try to get rid of her med school debt or mortgage? We currently have about 300000 saved for retirement, but only about 50000 that's in some sort of Roth account. We're each about 36 years old, so I'd appreciate any advice you could provide. I'm a new listener, but I've already learned more from you than the other gurus I've listened to for years. Thank you, Matt. Matt, if you learned something, keep it to yourself, man. First of all, I don't know that I want to be lumped together with any gurus. <laughs> back, back away from that. Yeah. All right. So yeah. what things no, you, this is This is a great case for overall financial planning, right? Because there is an optimal savings amount into qualified plans. So he was talking about retirement plan and getting a match in a 457. Matt didn't say whether or not he's working or if he's got the option to contribute to a retirement plan, but there's an optimal amount there. Can you, should you do a backdoor Roth IRA? Yeah, maybe. You know, it gets rid of about 11,000 a year if you if you do it right. There's some rules around that, especially if you have other IRAs and, and things. You want to make sure that you take care of that correctly. You got to balance the need for paying off the student loans Maybe they're at a pretty attractive rate. I've seen great student loan rates. You know, we talk about SoFi and that sort of thing, but I've seen them, you know, 1.6, 2.6%. It's a pretty attractive interest rate relative to, you know, an investment return. And then you got to layer on top of that what your other goals are. You know, being 36, it's kind of hard to fantasize about what retirement looks like, but there might be some other medium-term goals, uh, kids on the horizon, college, or just generally making sure that there's some money liquid for uh, an earlier type of financial independence time. So the answer is not as easy as just open up a lending tree account or lending club account and, you know, put a thousand a month in there. Uh, I think a combination of all of those probably makes the most sense. What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, f you know, when you don't know what that goal is, flexibility is always my first thing. I don't like locking up money unless I really know what the strategy is, which you and I, as we've talked about, we're not as against that variable universal life strategy as some people are, but I rarely use it because oh, yeah. it's so inflexible, right? It is so yeah. inflexible. And you got to make sure that you've got the right company, the right policy, because taking money out of that life insurance policy can be incredibly difficult. I see people blow that one all the time. So of all the things you mentioned. That, yeah, that's probably bottom of the list. Yeah, that one's off the table. Or at least way at the very yeah, bottom. Yeah, way at the bottom. Uh, high dividend yielding stocks. Well, if he's in a highish tax bracket, you know, he's going to be throwing off a lot of dividends right now that he's not spending. Um, you know, unless you have that in a tax shelter, I don't know that I'm excited with high dividend stocks for somebody in a high tax bracket. I think that creates some tax friction that you really don't need. Well, and there's, and, and with dividends, a lot of times people will search for that, right? You'll just Google highest dividend stocks. Right. Well, just because they're the highest dividend stocks doesn't mean that they're the best ones to own. Obviously, you could use an ETF or something like that, but um there's a lot of layers of complexity here, I think. Yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot that he's juggling. Pay off the house, pay off the student mm -hmm. loans, build a you know kind of liquid investment account, continue to add to the cash reserve, add more money to the qualified plans. That's the thing about Matt's letter. We don't know enough about what his goals are. Yeah. 
Yeah, we don't know enough there. So we can comment on these, but would love to know more about Matt's goals. Hey, if you've got a question for the mailbag, why don't you try the Haven Lifeline? Because you're going to get out a lot quicker. I feel bad because Matt wrote this to us September 14th, and we're getting to it in mid-November. You want to get on like uh, two or three weeks from now? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and uh, you will be up on the Haven Lifeline. But if you insist on sending us a letter, it's joe at stackybenjamins.com. We're always happy to hear from people. Oh, gee, I'm not trying to discourage people. I'm just telling you what the queue looks like. The facts of the case. Yes, and it's like Disney. If you want to be in the, what do they call that at Disney when you- Fast pass. The fast, if you want the fast pass, head to the Haven Lifeline. Throw us the Haven Lifeline, uh, stackofbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And if you want additional help from OG on your financial planning, here's the way to get on his appointment calendar, stackofbenjamins.com forward slash OG for that one. And if you want some of this nice swag, stackofbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. If you want some nice swag. That looks like a Mr. Rogers sweater there you got. Is I that totally a, is that a zip up Mr. Rogers sweater? It absolutely is. Check that out, man. Huh? Won't you be my yeah. neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. The younger kids wear hoodies. I wear my Mr. Rogers outfit. Right. Every uh, day. <laughs> Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you so much for people who have taken the time to leave us reviews. We have had just some absolutely hilarious reviews and some very sincere reviews, and and that helps us find new listeners. It also helps people understand what the show is all what about. What they're getting themselves into. <laughs> That's right. Today, I want to turn to our reviews on Stitcher because, as I mentioned last week, we haven't talked much about the reviews that we get on Stitcher, and we've had some very nice ones lately. From three months ago... Stately Raisin says, fun with personal finance. I've been listening to the show for a while and also went back through a lot of the archives. It's made my daily commute much more enjoyable. Roundtable contributors are entertaining and I like Joe and OG's take on the headlines and listener questions. Fun, but also informative whether they want it to be or not. Uh, thanks for that review. Five stars. Also five stars and going on mom's fridge from Ben Y. All around high quality podcast. I don't know how long I've been listening, probably close to a year. I must say the Stacky Benjamins podcast is incredibly well done. The structure, variety of segments in the guests and host all mesh really well. I think what makes it really stand out is the little things like transitions from one segment to another. Sound quality and overall flow make it sound really professionally produced. That's the thing, Ben Y. We're not professionally produced, but you know, we play it on TV. So we, we, we just fake it till we fake, make it. Fake it till you make it. That's, oh man, I was going to say the same thing. And at least one person's buying it, OG, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny, entertaining, and accidentally informative. Keep up the good work. Thanks. If you could take the time to leave us a quick review wherever you listen, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. You know, I started using this app. I talked about this on our show about the making of the show, which is called The Green Room. You can find that on every Tuesday and Saturday where we go back and do old, old, old episodes and also behind the scenes stuff. I started using the Castro app, OG, and uh, I had to pay five bucks for this app, but I have to tell you, I really like it. You know what I like? I like the fact that it has a speed of 1.1. Like these people listen on one and a quarter. I can't do one and a quarter speed on my podcast. Can't do one and a half. Um, talking to mom's neighbor, Doug, he always listens to stuff at one and a half. And I just, I can't, can't do that. But 1.1, seems to be perfect. Even those apps that play it, but change the tone. So it just sounds like you're talking fast, but you don't sound like a chipmunk. 
<laughs> I still just, I don't know. Maybe I'm slow. I don't process it that fast, but this Castro app, I'm not affiliated with the company. Don't know the people that make it, but Castro has been a, been a great app for me to check out. I decided I need to start checking out a lot of the different apps and this one's, this one's pretty cool. What do you yeah, listen that, to podcasts that app, on? That app thing might take off. Yeah. What do you listen to? Do you just use the podcast app? Yeah. Just whatever's on. Yeah. I used to use Stitcher a lot and I found Castro to be the place that I like. Plus you can layer your inbox. Like if there's one of my favorite podcasts, it goes to the top of the inbox. If it's one that I think is decent, but it's not first priority, it automatically puts it at the bottom of the inbox. And then I can also go back through the archive. So, all right, that's enough of that. We'll see everybody back here on Wednesday. Stack more Benjamins. So friends, what did we learn on today's show? Well, first, once again, we had to bring a genius on the show to find some truth. As Rick Edelman said, the key to tumultuous markets, start with your goals and work backwards. What else should we have learned? Well, if you haven't maxed out your retirement account yet, you don't have to reach much higher this year. If you have, time for some more planning. But the real lesson... Don't try to run for president unless you dump your cash into an Olympic-sized pool and still have money left over. Who needs being president anyways? I heard it's terrible for your hair, and I need to preserve what I got left. I mean, there's a reason the ladies down at the Sizzler call me El Gordo Burrow. Special thanks to the founder and executive chairman of Edelman Financial Services, Rick Edelman. You'll find a link to Rick's book, Rescue Your Money, at our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Looking for some cool swag? The newest new t-shirts are in. Grab one at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Joe's mom for offering to make apple pie for both of my supporters that I lied about and maybe told her I had coming over tonight to our first campaign kickoff meeting. Usually, she's asleep by 7.30 in front of Wheel of Fortune, so hopefully she'll never notice. Tune back in Wednesday when we welcome Mr. Side Hustle Nation himself, Nick Loper. Looking to earn a few bucks in your spare time for the holidays? Nick's got you covered. See ya! So a cheese manufacturer located on the beach. It's called Ocean Breeze. Still nothing, huh? Is it like Swiss cheese? Is it a Swiss cheese manufacturer because the breeze goes through the holes? Or Am I overthinking it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, hey, so I finally saw uh, Captain America number two or whatever it was, uh, the one that came out like uh, six months ago. The Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Yeah, the one that I didn't love. I didn't really care for it either. It was pretty dark, wasn't it? Well, it it was dark, and there also weren't. We said this at the time. 
there, there were no stakes. You knew these people weren't going to kill each other when they had the Civil War. They were just going to beat each other up and try to get it. You know what I mean? It just yeah. it didn't feel like like the stakes were that high when they got together. I thought I thought the new Spider Man kind of stole that scene. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty hilarious. He's a funny kid. I didn't see Ant Man, but now I want to. Oh, Ant Man! That was, looks really funny. Ant Man was so funny. I loved okay. Ant Man. Yeah, the uh, I, I like Paul Rudd. I just think he's. I think Paul Rudd in and of himself is funny. I just saw a movie. I'm not going to talk about it this time. The new Marvel movie, Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. I, I kind of be dragged to it a little bit because I'm feel like I'm over Marvel movies. Although yeah. Deadpool was one of my favorite movies of the year. Haven't seen that yet either. Deadpool is fantastic. I want to see all the action movies that are out now. Now that my after school activity is winding down, I gotta, I gotta find, uh, gotta find a time. I was planning on doing it this week, but uh, got tied up, and then uh, now we got a little travel scheduled here in a couple of days, so that'll eat into my moving time. And then, uh, right. and then my mom comes to visit just over a week, so that'll be fun. Hey, she, mom, if you're listening, is she still complaining about the show? Uh, she hasn't complained lately, which means she's probably moved on to other things. Good. Yeah, probably best for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have some. You know, you know what we should do? We should get mom on the microphone. We should. Oh, here. We oh, should. Here. Well, you know what my mom did. So mom went to, mom went to Doug's profile, neighbor Doug's profile on Facebook. Okay. Okay. And she said, she said, I never knew he was the CEO of your company, because Doug put on his profile CEO of Stacking Benjamins. Nice. And, and mom just hook, bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. I never knew Doug. How did you make Doug the CEO of your company? Why'd you do that? Mom, <laughs> have you heard Doug before? You, t- you, you complain about Doug all the time, and yeah. you have no idea that Doug would call himself the CEO of the company. Anyway, I got a movie. You know, we're back in movie season, so you and I are going to be cranking through a bunch of movies here these next few weeks. Because God willing, yeah. But uh, I saw this movie directed uh, by a gentleman named Mel Gibson, who seems to be back from the dead. This was called Hacksaw Ridge. What the hell is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? dreamed about being a doctor, but I didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. That's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll fall in love with you because you are like anyone else. He is not like anyone else, OG. This is a true story about a conscientious objector. He's a Seventh Day of Venice. Uh, had some issues, which they go into in the movie, with guns in the past, and it's decided that for him... He can't touch a gun. However, he can't live with himself if he doesn't volunteer to help. So he gets this idea that he's going to be a medic. And while everybody else, as they said in that preview, everybody else has taken life, he's going to be helping people uh, while he still serves his country and uh, and helps his cause. And I won't go into, if you haven't 
read about uh, about what uh, he did in real life, uh, I and in the movie, uh, I won't go into that because that's that's what the movie's all about. But obviously, you know that it was incredibly heroic what he did. This movie got a really high Rotten Tomato score. I was fascinated by the movie while I was there. I was riveted. The two hours went by. I don't even know how long exactly it was. Went by super fast. You know who was great in the movie? Vince Vaughn. And this is not the same Vince Vaughn. It it is the same Vince Vaughn. He's still funny because I don't think you can take the funny out of Vince Vaughn. Right. But Vince Vaughn is, you know, a serious character in a serious drama about a serious conflict around the world. And I thought played his part really well. As I left the movie, uh, I immediately turned to Cheryl and Nick, who I was with, and went, wow, that that was a fantastic, that was a great movie. Glad I saw it. But there was something nagging me as I left the theater, and then it nagged me the next day and nagged me the next day, and I finally figured out what it is. I've had a really hard time putting the fact that this movie is about his search for humanity and to be a beacon when everything else is going to hell, right? There is so much blood in this movie about not having so much blood. Like there is, Mel Gibson has so much gratuitous grossness in the movie. And I don't know if he's trying to emphasize the fact that war is hell and what this guy did is is uh, that much more miraculous. But, but he seems to really take pleasure in showing you just just almost to a cartoony level. Like, I expect it in a, in a Quentin Tarantino movie, right? Django. Right. Django at the end where, where it's like watermelons are popping. There's so much blood <laughs> being sprayed on the walls. It's almost to that level, but this is a much more serious matter. And this guy's faith is such an important part of the movie. And like earlier, earlier, I mentioned that movie about the, you know, we talked about the movie about the Arkansas football player, mm-hmm. um, where his faith was was super important. Uh, that movie is called Greater. Both these movies start off kind of campy. Greater stays campy, not as well acted. I actually think I like Greater better because I think it did a, a greater service to the cause that it was trying to make. This was a guy who, who did everything to do things according to his faith in both of these things. Neither one of these movies really is a message movie, which I also like. I guess Greater is a little bit more of a message movie, but, um, but they're both trying to tell a story. And I think I like the greater story better. I, I just, the nagging unease that followed me out of that theater has not gone away. And you said you'll probably never see this movie. Right. I'm a fan it isn't as good as I expected. There's probably a book on it too. I'd rather just read the book. And I think reading the book will probably be better because you're not going to get Mel Gibson's interpretation of the, you know what I mean? You're going to get more of a, here's what happened. Go see Greater. If you want that kind of movie, go see Greater. Movie about a football player doing what he thinks is right. Not well acted, but great message, I think, that that flows through. All, All right, man. See you next time. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. 
Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org at Navy Federal. Our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.